WIOX is supported by the generosity of our listeners and the following underwriters. Rockland Cider Works Upstate in Gilboa, an agritourism cidery with vacation rentals on a sprawling former dairy farm. Gluten-free hard cider made from 100% New York State apples. New York State produced beer, wine, and spirits. Rockland Cider Works Upstate on Stryker Road in Gilboa. RocklandCiderWorks.com Chappie's Good Food on Main Street in Roxbury for lunch, dinner, and cocktails. And Chappie's sister restaurant, the Old Mill Steakhouse, just around the corner on Bridge Street. Chappie's open every day. The Old Mill Steakhouse open on weekends. 607-326-7020 or Chappie'sGoodFood.com Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center in Walton. Open 7.30 to 2.30, Tuesday through Saturday, for waste disposal and recycling. In service to make a difference by reducing pollution in Delaware County. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center, State Route 10 in Walton, 607-832-5800. Or click the Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center link at WIOXradio.org. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Shelia. And we host Pop-Up. Great pop music from the past, present, and occasionally the future. Wednesday mornings from 10 to noon and Saturday afternoons from 2 to 4. Right here on WIOX Roxbury. Your community radio station, live and local in the Catskill Mountains. At 91.3 FM, MTC Cable Channel 20, and WIOXradio.org. Okay, you are listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones. 
and also with the Radio Garden phone app. This is from the forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and Zane. Zane, how's it going? Good, Ryan. Pretty good all around. A beautiful day today. Oh, yeah. Spring is here. Yeah, we were down in uh, for the Catskill Forest Association pruning apple trees in Napanock, and uh, the buds are still dormant, so that's good. Yeah. They haven't turned at all. They got the short sleeves on. Uh, yeah. Up to 61 down there. It was nice and Very sunny nice. and no wind. No wind, sunny, 61. Excellent. Excellent day to be outside. Yeah, other than that, uh, uh, I've just been cutting down trees for firewood. Um, I don't uh, do any splitting just yet, but I just cut down the tree and just leave them on the ground. And I've been watching the, the deer come around uh, to feed on the buds. So that's been pretty pretty nice. Yeah, I went uh, for a walk last week, and I was hunting for uh, sapwood to replenish the wood I used to boil maple sap. And... Um, found uh, some white pine hemlock so that that's all restocked and uh ready for next year but um this year this winter seemed like a perpetual sap season hmm. from january until right now uh finally the lows where i live are all above zero or below freezing so that signals the end of the season no matter when you tapped yeah i pulled all my taps yesterday um I tapped for the first time, 10 sugar maple trees, and uh, I first tapped on February 6th. I was just looking at my notes, and um, yeah. So I store my sap throughout the week, so I saw those higher temperatures coming during the day, and I realized, well, it's probably, that's it. I can't, you know, be storing sap over 50 degrees during the day. No. So that was that. So altogether, I think I've made over uh, uh, two and a half gallons. Nice. You can't, yeah, can't complain about that. It's two and a half gallon, more gallons than you had before, right? <laughs> yeah. So had a lot of work, but it, it, it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah, maple syrup's the best, man. But you ever notice that people um, ask you if you, you'll notice this now that you that you've made some. Do you, do you do honey as well? I don't know why <laughs> that is. Yeah. Totally different. Uh, I'm always game like, there. no, I don't make honey. I make maple syrup. This this is. <laughs> How much sugar do I need? <laughs> honey is, uh, I never got into honey. I like the taste of honey. Not as much maple syrup, obviously. The the advantage of honey over uh, maple is that you don't have to boil or burn a ton of wood. Right. But the disadvantage is you, you better have your stuff protected like maximum security against bears. And Definitely. you don't have to deal with anything during the maple sugaring season. Yeah. I mean, nothing is really bothers it there's no animals that care about it you know so that's good unless you have sap lines you know that's a different story right sometimes the uh squirrels and stuff will chew on them but i mean in the sugar house no they don't deal with any any of that no the uh biggest disruption i have is just the uh, wind taking the lids off my buckets sometimes yeah you know we plant trees things eat them you know, you cut trees down to feed wildlife, and you hope they come. Mm. But uh, with maple, you don't you don't have to deal with the uh, uncertainties of wildlife. Right. <laughs> no electric part. fencing for the maple trees. <laughs> yeah, just the just the trees, really, and how they're going to run. But in any case, 
Tonight's show is a brand new topic. We've never talked about it. Called frequent fruiting. I had to do this. You know? I'm surprised we never talked about it. Uh, Get a lot of questions about it. It's long due. Long due. People want their fruit trees to produce. They want them to produce, you know, annually, predictably. Yeah. They want a good crop. Right. Every year. Um, just as a concession uh, or whatever, um, a lot of this information I'm, I, I drew from is from Cornell University's Terrence Robinson. Um, I've seen him speak at the Hudson Valley Research Laboratory, which we've had uh, their executive director in the past on our on our radio program. And uh, they're a good bunch of people. If you ever want to know some of the answers to your questions, um, contact them in Highland. Ulster County. So. Uh, also, a lot of disease-related questions as well. Oh, yeah. Manage for those. All that stuff. Diagnosis, prescriptions, um, yeah, all that. So that's Peter Gench, I think, is the director there. But um, you've probably seen in the past that a lot of our topics have to do, they, you know, with sunlight. That's really what most of my job, when I'm not, not here on From the Forest with the Catskill Forest Association, is about. Right, is sunlight. Talking about plants getting or not getting sunlight. It's really, mm. if you had to summarize my job. In the forest setting, you know, we, we cut trees. Sometimes people might call them thin, or we might cut harder, like a shelter wood or a clear cut or, or a small patch cut, to gain sunlight onto desirable trees to meet various goals. In arboriculture, um, it's on a smaller scale, it's called pruning. So you prune parts of trees or a plant to meet various goals, right? So generally speaking, where sunlight exists, more plants grow. And right. where it doesn't, like if you had a plastic bag that was sealed and dark, <laughs> nothing's going to grow in it, right? So where there's no light, things don't grow. But there are exceptions to this. And, um, you know, just because you prune a tree doesn't mean you'll get fruit. Mm-hmm. Every year, and that's that's kind of like what this show is about. So I'm going to use analogy. I like analogies, but uh, recently, over the last five six years, since we've been pruning a lot of apple trees, we prune all over the place from Delaware County, Schoharie, uh, Otsego, Ulster. We're down in Napanock, Ulster County today. Where were we yesterday? Where were we yesterday? That's all a blur. Isn't that terrible? That's bad. <laughs> That's not good. Come on. It's all just apple trees and blue skies. and Yeah. All right. Um, well, we went through Frost Valley. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. then, Frost Valley. And th- yeah. All right. So we're over there, and we prune trees all over the place. But sometimes I feel like a, a quarterback, and it's like when the, co- when the team wins, everyone gives quarterback the credit, right? Mm. And when the team fails or loses they're like man that quarterback really sucks you know you know if, if the buccaneers win tom brady gets all the credit and if they lose they're like tom brady is old and he should retire right okay but it's not it's a team sport i mean it's like right? it's like he can't be everywhere at all times right and it's like there's a lot going on there um you know there's there's people guarding them and there's there's receivers and they got to catch the ball and there's people that that block him right so it's a team sport. There's contributing factors, is what I'm saying, that make the team win or lose. And it's the same thing with fruiting. All right. In fact, there's one thing, one player 
that is never talked about. It's not a player. It has a role. It's so important. It should be called coach almost. <laughs> and that is thinning. Fruit thinning. <laughs> For, like pruning is important. You know, almost as, as important as being the quarterback. But this, this fruit thinning is something that um, a lot of us are unaware of that orchards do. That is one of the most important things. So let's talk about that. Um, there are other factors, though, as well, before we get into fruit thinning, that control fruiting. And that's weather. Um, this, this is what usually happens when people's trees don't fruit. Either A, they think, well, because it wasn't pruned. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Maybe not. There are unpruned trees, though, that fruit. Pollination. Or, or they think it's freezing. It's always the freezing, right? The frost. The yeah. frost. And they, they the, just blame the frost. I find people in the mountains always blame the frost on everything. Yeah, easy things to blame because they're they're pretty obvious and uh, you know they, they're intuitive. They make sense. Yeah. But the, these those other factors are yeah pollination challenges, which you don't think about. You think you know if the sun is out and, and the bees are out and the flowers are out, things will just magically happen. But sometimes they don't. Uh, it'll be a really windy day and the bees can't really navigate. Uh, it'll be a very rainy day um, or just a cold day. They're not out. They're not as active. All these kind of small minor things make a big difference in a bee's life. Yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily even freeze. Yeah, exactly. Are mm -hmm. the bees out or are, they, or are they not? So that matters. Site quality, you know, is it, is it a healthy tree, unhealthy tree? Uh, tree species, I don't know. What is it? it does it have a, a compatible variety next mm -hmm. to it to, to pollinate that tree? Who knows? Maturity. It's maybe it's just it hasn't fruited yet. Well, maybe it's just not mature yet. You right. Know, apple trees need to fruit on mature wood, and they don't mature on new growth like last year's growth. So it might just not be mature enough. Um, there is one factor that is highly underrated, and that's where we're getting to, and that is the fruit thinning. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, six to seven p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and Zane. Tonight's topic is frequent thinning. What is the secret behind trees fruiting or not fruiting every year? And we're mainly talking about apple trees. Right. right. Yeah. So apple trees bear every year uh, Every year in orchards, it seems. Right. When you're cruising up the New York State Thruway, Interstate I-87, um, a lot of our members at the Catskill Forest Association live in the city. So they come up the thruway. And... Almost everyone you talk to knows right around exit, uh, well, above, between Newburgh and Newpaltz. So mm. Newpaltz is 18. So just below exit 18, south, there's these orchards. I think that's the town of Platicule mm. where these orchards are. And you can see that they're loaded with apples every single year. And we see, so we see loads of apples and we see carefully shaped apple trees, right? They got those long horizontal branches yeah they cut very short yeah so it's it's understandable you would think that it's got to be the pruning the way that that tree is shaped mm. that it's fruiting and that does make sense i mean in in many ways right i mm. mean it does it's true by pruning a tree you can make it more fruitful um horizontal horizontally growing branches produce more fruit buds than say a tall, straight up growing 
branch or whatever, yeah. like a sucker. Those tend to be more vegetative, and they produce leaf buds. Okay, so that is true. Um, but what we don't see is what they're doing in the uh, in the spring, which is mm -hmm. the thinning. So thinning fruit, the elixir to biennial fruiting. If you don't thin your fruit, they'll just fruit normally every other year. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Right. So, what, yeah, why do trees fruit? You know, they fruit to produce seeds, to, to, to reproduce. But it takes a lot of energy to do that, right? So, uh, you know, fruiting every year is very energy intensive. Um, so the tree kind of, like, builds up these points where it can expend a lot of energy. It's usually in those years where, you, where it has everything it needs, a lot of those resources, sunlight, water, space to grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Plus, it, it might it might draw in. Do they need do they need animals to eat their fruit every year to spread their seed? You know, maybe right. not. You know, maybe they don't want not want that to occur all the time. So yeah, fruiting every year is kind of maybe an unnatural, you know, condition for trees for apple trees at least. Yeah. And if we think about this in our own experience in the Catskill Mountains, 2021 was highly fruitful. I mean, it was an awesome year. Hmm. But last year, there's nothing really. Very few people had had fruit. But yet those orchards on I-87 there, they had fruit. So according to Cornell University's Terrence Robinson, fruit thinning is the single most important management strategy in determining the annual profitability of apple orchards. Wow. Now think about it. These people have fixed costs every year. They have to hire people, labor. They got to prune every year. That's a huge cost. I went to a workshop by the Hudson Valley Research Lab. I think it was them or Cornell, and they were on the pie chart. I think their biggest cost of that pie was was pruning. Hmm. Okay, so they have fixed costs every year. They got they have they have taxes. They have to you know pay workers' compensation or whatever. All this stuff, right? Insurance, everything, all that stuff. So they have fixed costs. If they don't make money in one year, they could be done. Right. You know, so money being big red apples for the that's right grocery stores. Money does grow on trees. I don't know why that's <laughs> saying. I mean, yeah, it grows I've on seen trees. It. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely does. So every other year would be um, not really. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't be profitable right. to own an apple orchard if that was the case. So so what to do? You have to thin your fruit. So what does fruit thinning, what does it do? Basically, what fruit thinning does is it reduces the number of apples per tree in the current season. All right? So if you have a clump of apples, you're going you're gonna to thin one of those mm -hmm. apples. Um the, the goal is to produce larger apples and return bloom or yield the next season. Let me repeat that. The goal is to produce larger apples and return bloom or yield the next season. Pruning might produce larger apples, but not like thinning. Mm -hmm. If you, it, Not like thinning does. So the reason why apple orchards have large apples, flowers every year, is from thinning. And I think that's the most misunderstood about pruning. At, at towards the end of the of tonight's program, I'm going to talk about what pruning really does, mm -hmm. and, and what is the goal of pruning. Right now, we're just talking about thinning. However, 
the more you thin or the less you thin can have variable impacts on your apples. So let's talk about that. Uh, we're going to take a break first, though. But if you're just tuning in, you're, you're tuning in, uh, you're listening to From the Forest, and we're talking about frequent fruiting.
Alright, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic. That was Don Williams. And we're talking about why trees fruit every year, every other year. And the big secret is fruit thinning, which really only orchards do. So, the thinning. Um, what are the impacts of under-thinning or over-thinning? Under-thinning is what most of us are more familiar of because we don't thin our mm-hmm. fruit. And this is a lot of work to do, um, which is why people don't do it. But if you underthin, you'll have many apples of smaller sizes. I find that people confuse wild apple trees with crab apples. Mm-hmm. When it's just an apple, it's just never been thinned, and it produces a lot of apples, but really small ones. Mm-hmm. That's an apple tree. Really, crab apples are kind of rare. Uh, they're usually planted. Um, or crab apples are extremely small; like they're almost the size of a cherry. Right. You know. Right, Zane. Fully formed. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're more sour for sure. But yeah, um, yeah, they don't get as big as apples by any means. Yeah, their bark's a little different too. Um, it's more nuanced though in the bark, but. Also, oh, if you if you cut a stem, mm-hmm. right? What, what's it going to look like on the inside? It's going to be uh, kind of pinkish, like yeah. reddish. Uh, they also have, yeah, very thin, wispy twigs um, compared to apples, which have like more robust, thicker twigs. Yeah, they're <laughs> a pain to climb in crab apples. I kind of cringe when a member asks me to prune a crab apple. Because they're just like Velcro. You go to throw a branch when you're up in it, and it, it doesn't go anywhere. It hooks onto itself. You're cursing. You're getting getting pissed off, you know. And thank God you have someone underneath you who has a big hook, 21-foot pole saw to, to rip it out. Because <laughs> otherwise, you just look silly up there. You can't throw anything. So they're really, they're really difficult to uh, prune. But you can graft apple varieties onto them, mm. by the way. So if you have an ornamental crab that you don't think is that pretty anyway, you can graft onto it. Hmm. So, Yeah, I consider myself pretty good at tree ID, but I, they still hang me up. I, sometimes I think a mature crab apple is an apple. Yeah. It's not. Absolutely. I've gotten a little better with a bark, but don't ask me to describe the differences because there's not many words in the English language to describe bark. <laughs> try it sometime. Go ahead. Try it tonight. Go go think of how many words there are. There's not, there's not many. But, um... So, okay, so if you underthin your fruit, you get many apples of smaller sizes. Uh, fewer return flowers the next season. So why is my tree fruiting? It fruited really well last year. It's not going to produce flowers. It's normal and unthinned home orchards or volunteers, just a fancy term for wild apple trees, regardless, regardless of pruning. All right? Mm-hmm. So does that make sense? Yeah. Overthinning. This is... This is only what an orchardist would probably experience. <laughs> but um, reduced current year's yield too much. It means they, they thin so much that they, they're eating into their profits mm. for this year because they're, they don't have enough fruit. Uh-oh. However, those fruits that are left, they're going to be huge, like abnormally large apples. All right. They're gonna, but they're going to lack firmness. They're not going to have that snap mm-hmm. to them. Which is, to me, terrible apple, man. Any kind of mealiness, right? Lack of color. I guess they don't ripen that well, maybe. And they don't store well. 
This is all according to Cornell's Terrence Robinson. So you don't want to, obviously, you don't want to underthin. You don't want to overthin. There's there's a Goldilocks zone there, so to speak, where you, you want to thin just the right amount uh, to produce the apples that you need. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Isn't it, we're staying off the air? How it is amazing how a lot of us who aren't professional orchardists like myself, you know, we know, and I grew up near orchards in the Hudson Valley for. Christ's sake um i've always known about pruning and you know mm. that they use chemicals to for you know insects and fun, fungi right you mm. know about fire blight we even know some of these diseases right you know about powdery mildew and everything but for some reason i never knew about thinning fruit <laughs> i didn't know they did that yeah but and apparently it's the most important part of uh you know producing apples at a production scale it's crazy the science of fruit thinning, according to Terrence Robinson, again, it's not an exact science. There, there are a lot of um, unpredictable variables because uh, it depends when you when you thin, right? The weather conditions that are present when you do this thinning, the the tree's health, the variety. Each variety is a little different, so they may have to adjust. They do it chemically. We'll talk about that. Uh, you may have to adjust this the. Uh, chemical you're you're doing depending on the variety you know mm-hmm. a, a gala might be different than a um you know fuji i don't know yeah it makes it hard especially if you have different blocks with these varieties you might have to kind of customize your thinning uh to the different blocks you have so now you have to coordinate that you can't all do it in one day you have to do it at particular times this is important to know though when to thin and trees are normally thin from full bloom that means flower, right? To after the apples have reached almost a half inch in diameter. Hmm. All right. So that's the window. So they're barely recognizable as apples. Seems yeah. At that size. You know what's pretty cool is when you have flowers and you can see that they've been fertilized and you see that little swollen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's, it's the best, man. You know? It's the promise of something. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty cool thing, you know. But um, so how, how are they thinned? What, what, what is used to thin the fruit? Well, of course, before chemicals, it was mechanical, which just means your hands. Mm-hmm. All right. Orchards, according to Terrence Robinson, Cornell University, don't really do this anymore. Uh, it's costly. It can cost anywhere from 1000 to $2,000 an acre. Mm. You know, some of these orchards are pretty darn big so so that's just going tree by tree using your hands to kind of pluck out uh the fruit from a branch that has multiple uh fertilized uh flowers on it yeah so think if you had a you have apples growing now right in the late spring or whatever and there's a cluster of them five six of them you've probably seen this and, and not realized it. And they're like a quarter inch, say, in diameter mm-hmm. to almost a half inch. What I've heard, and this is anecdotal now, from an old old farmer in Gramsville, Sullivan County, was you you leave the king, they call it. So mm. you thin all around that king and you leave that one apple. And that's how they would do it. That's pretty neat, the king. You leave the king. Or one or two apples, you know. Maybe. You over thin, but you know, it's, I guess it depends on the tree, depends on its condition, uh, you know, depends on the variety, um, all these things. A lot of that knowledge 
may be forgotten. I don't know how many people know how to do that. It's an art and science, just like pruning is. You know, a little pruning on different varieties of apples I've learned just by pruning over the years. Some are a little different than others, you yeah. know, for whatever reason. They just grow differently, you know. I mean, obviously, you can tell a pear, for instance, grows has to be pruned differently, say, than an apple. Right. Which is different from a mulberry or Oh, God, what was it? American plum today, man. Jeez, that's, that's almost as bad as crab apple. Yeah, yeah very uh, spiky, spiky plant. I underestimated them. Yeah, but deer resistant. If you're looking for a tree that's somewhat, somewhat deer resistant, that might be a good one. So, yeah, that's 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 kind of knowledge that, that's kind of been lost a little bit. Kind of like grafting a little bit, you know. Yeah, it's not something you can just hire a guy off the street to come and do that to your orchard. He's got to know those trees very well and know what they need and know when to not do too much. That's the also uh, a fundamental art of pruning is knowing when to stop. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to stop. Yeah. It's a discipline to stop. Uh, when I first started pruning with my friend, Charlie, who taught me pruning, it was very common for him to come over and scold me and be like, you are pruning too much. Get out of the tree. Stop. You're just spending too much time in that tree. You know, he, mm -hmm. he, he would get, you know, and, and it was understandable. I was. I was like, because what happens is you just get into this zone where you just keep pruning. And it's like, you know, you have to kind of have a goal before you go up in the tree of what you want to do with this tree. Not necessarily all the branches laid out, but what size Sucker, am I going to – anyway, see, we're focusing on pruning. We're not even talking about pruning yet. But anyway, um, I don't know anyone that you could hire to do mechanical thinning. Right. I don't know of them. Maybe they exist. I don't know who they are. Do you? No, but I don't imagine they'll be cheap. <laughs> no. I mean I, I only know one outfit that does grafting other than the Catskill Forest Association. We do it. But um, I know over in Accord – they're the only other people is I think uh, Harrowwood or Westwind. They've really grafted their trees. It's really cool to see. Mm. They've they've rejuvenated them, started them over. So that's the only commercial entity I've seen that did some top top working. You know, but grafting has become kind of a rare thing. Mm -hmm. uh, people just order m new trees that are always grafted, but instead of just grafting old trees, right in the orchard setting. But, yeah, it's a, it's a great thing to do because we have the opportunities to do it, especially with all the volunteer apple trees we have here in the Catskills. Yeah, absolutely. So the preferred method by orchards is chemical. And before you freak out about <laughs> chemicals, it's this is these are not insecticides. Um, mm -hmm. These are not fungicides. Uh, these are synthetic according, and I quote from Terrence Robinson, these are synthetic versions of natural plant hormones. They include plant growth regulators or auxin and cytokinin categories. Don't ask me what those are. <laughs> Basically, this is what they do. They cut off carbohydrates to growing apples or abscission. This is, this is something that people sometimes can't wrap their head around, and we've been bumping up against it coincidentally in the last several days. Both of them are near the Gramsville Napanock area. They have trees that are too vigorous, and in mm. the fruit world, vigor is bad. But I they, thought we wanted to grow apples. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to grow wood. We want them to grow slowly. We want them to grow fruit. You know, at first we want them to grow, but after a while, we don't want them to grow in length anymore. We want them to grow fruit buds. So 
if you keep fertilizing sometimes your f- trees and wondering why they're not fruiting, the tree's happy, like you've said, right? It has everything it needs. Why is it going to produce fruit? Yeah, fruit is produced by trees when they feel like, you know, it's time to move on. I got to put all my, uh, you know, genes in the next generation. But if the tree is getting everything it needs, water, sunlight, and then some, if it's being fertilized as well, it's just going to keep putting on vegetative tissue. It's just going to keep growing larger and taller so that eventually it might produce more flowers and produce more fruit. Yeah. But that's going to be years in the making. That's not going to produce fruit every year. Yeah, like these people we pruned today, um, they have these younger trees that are growing below what was once a, a barn with probably a lot of manure. There's probably It's probably very fertile. Mm-hmm. And they're growing too much. They don't need any more fertilization. Uh, we, we have all we can do to prune these trees and keep them under control. Um, we're trying to get their branch shapes in a better in a better way, and I think we finally did it. I really do. After four years, I think they finally had a controllable thing. We're not taking out large branches. We're just taking out long, twiggy, thin uh, sprouts that come, yeah. out of, come out of the crown. Um, and what you recommended, and unfortunately we don't do it, is summer pruning. You're pruning at the, the peak of the growing season. For these trees, it would be beneficial because it would slow them down. It would slow the growth down. Yeah, especially on the sprouts. We've already done the structural cuts and the big cuts. I know people are always concerned about diseases and stuff and making big wounds during that time of year. We're talking about taking the sprouts out only, the smaller sprouts. Mm-hmm. Um, the tree on the other side of the house, which is old, is growing slow. It already has the great structure for producing fruit, and that thing has loaded with fruit buds. You yeah. Because it's grown slow. It's not, you know, it, it's it's... It's like I need to repro- re- reproduce myself. I'm, I'm getting on in years. You know? right. it, it's not putting out the growth. It's a perfect big old tree. If I, It's one of the top five big old trees that we prune that I'm like, that tree doesn't really need much. Just mm-hmm. maintenance, pruning, and it will always be fruitful until it just dies. You know, Pretty right. neat tree. Yeah, it was a nice one. It was their favorite tree as well. Oh, yeah. That tree's awesome. Um so basically what it does is these these uh, plant thinners, chemicals, is it cuts off carbohydrates to the growing apples and causes abscission, you mm-hmm. know. And not on all of them, though, on some of them. So if it was all of them, that would be bad, right? So most successful if they spray on warm days and cloudiness. Um, it's probably, I would guess, because the trees are already kind of stressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? Warm days, the trees kind of shut down a little bit if it's too warm. Mm-hmm. And cloudy, they're not getting photosynthesis, according to Terrence Robinson again. That's what I would guess. I don't know if that's true or that it's the exact case. But. Yeah, well, the high light and temperatures might also affect the uh, the chemical as well. It might not be effective. It might uh, evaporate. It that might not be. stick to the tree. So it's not just applying chemicals willy-nilly. It's applying them in a way that they're most effective. Right, so that could be that could be it as well. Um, but if you're just tuning in, you're listening to from the forest every Wednesday, six to seven p.m. Tonight's topic is frequent fruiting, the secret behind why trees fruit biennially, and how orchards get in the fruit every year. And up next, we'll talk about how you shouldn't just blame the pruner. Pruner, although sometimes there's bad pruning. Don't don't get we'll, me wrong. We'll talk about that. Too. And what does pruning do? And what 
you can do. We'll leave off with that.
Alright, Zane. So who killed the video star? Radio. I guess. Radio again? Or Spotify? <laughs> Spotify kill it. Your cell phone? Radio's still here. Who is, who who watches music videos anymore? They're done. MTV who, don't. Who's play got it. the time to watch music videos? I mean, I don't know. That was a big big song back in my day, man. That was an awesome video. Hmm. You know, but does MTV play music videos anymore? Does MTV even still Who watches MTV? I don't have cable, so I Me couldn't tell you. I don't have cable. <laughs> Netflix killed the video star. Streaming. That's right. Streaming did. Oh, well. Things what? change. But radio lives on. Yeah. Here on From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. with Ryan and Zane. We're talking about frequent fruiting, the mystery. No more behind why those apples on I-87 have fruit every year the orchards and it's because they thin them guys they prune them as well no doubt but they also thin them um it's not all about the pruning but uh so don't just blame the pruner so now you know the secret all right it seems in the mountains we blame the frost for many things maybe everything you can't pay the mortgage it's the frost right but <laughs> the apples didn't produce it's got to be the frost. No, they go biennial, um, regardless of the frost. Although sometimes it is the frost, okay? I'm not saying right, that. Right. Sometimes it's it a, is the it's frost. It's a contributing factor, but it's it's one of many. Right. But um, a lot of times we do blame the pruner. Uh, members of the Catskill Forest Association a couple years ago were calling the office and giving me praise for <laughs> producing all the fruit. And I said, after listening and, and, and you know, to how much fruit they had. I said, listen, it's very nice of you. You had to fight But I had nothing to do with it, and they were surprised that I would not take credit for it. I said, and the reason why I don't want to take full credit for this is because in another year, when they don't have fruit, you're going to blame me. So they're like, I don't get it. But some got it, and I don't blame them for not getting it because, like I said, no one knows about fruit thing. I didn't know about it. So... It's like the quarterback analogy again. You know, we, we give all the credit to the uh, quarterback and the team wins and vice versa. So what does pruning do, though? So you're, maybe now you're confused. You're like, okay, well, what is pruning? What, why do I prune? Why did I hire this guy at all to come to my property? Or why did I put all this time myself into pruning? Pruning preserves the tree, first and foremost. What do I mean by preserve? What I mean is if you don't prune your apple tree... It'll just even if it's in full sunlight, it's just gonna grow into an umbrella. Meaning it's gonna you're only gonna have fruit at the very outer edges and top of the tree. Mm-hmm. All those lower branches are gonna die. It's you're gonna have ladder death creep up into the upper canopy of the tree. It's gonna be a very tall tree, kind of like a giraffe is what we call them. Yep. And uh that's it. It'll be like an eggshell or whatever, you know, just at the very top. Yeah, outside. Yeah, usually the landowner will see all that those dead branches and start to prune those away and prune those up the stem, and eventually um, you have this big top with no lower branches, and you have this big giraffe that's been yeah. just raised over time. And you're stuck with that. And the There's apples are 15, 20 feet up, <laughs> and yeah. you can't get to them. You're stuck with that. There's nothing to do. And bears love those trees, we find, anecdotally, because they like to climb. They feel a little more secure up there, and they just they go to town on those mm-hmm. tall trees. I don't know. Um, but 
pruning does more than that and just preserve the shape and the lower branches. So like we said before, if you can get sunlight and prune out the less likely to fruit branches and, and keep or invigorate, not invigorate, um, get sunlight onto those more capable of fruiting, fruit potentially growing branches, you're doing better. So what are branches that produce more fruit? Those that have angles from the trunk of 60 to 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's, a hormone, there's a hormonal thing going on there, but as a branch is lowered in that angle, it's more likely to produce, produce fruit buds. Um, suckers, for example, are a great example. Why they don't produce fruit is because they are upright. They're vegetative. That, that branch is just trying to get to the sunlight to survive. It's not right. thinking about producing fruit, right? So e- you can either prune to the horizontal branch or when they're young, you bend them down. And that's why orchards use spacers or something to weigh it down that slows the growth down and produces more fruit buds. So that's what pruning can do. Also, a, a branch union that has a wide angle is stronger for holding fruit. That's a strong branch union when it's 60 to 90 degrees. It can hold heavy apples mm-hmm. without splitting. It can hold a bold black bear that's eating the apples or snow load. So they're usually stronger branches anyway. Notice the next time when trees have their branches fail, it's always at those tight crotches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this goes a long way as to why it's preservative, because trees are out in the open. They're, they're getting all the elements. Uh, they're getting climbed on, uh, everything Ryan just said. So having that nice structure, that shape, helps preserve that. But the frequency of the fruiting and the size of the apples is more influenced by thinning, which... Very few people do. So what can you do? Well, most backyarders skip thinning. I don't I don't thin my fruit. You know? not, I just it's not worth it for me to do. Uh, I'll just hopefully one variety will will fruit. Last year when no one had apples, um, most of my apples didn't produce anything, but one did yellow delicious. Mm-hmm. Now that yellow delicious also had the best shape, meaning had the best scaffold branches growing at the right angle. so it was in a position to fruit. Maybe it didn't fruit the year before. I don't remember, but that one fruited. So having variety, different varieties can increase your chances if you don't feel like thinning of fruiting. Having different species, pear, apple, right, mm-hmm. mulberry, pawpaw, different peach, something different. That can increase your uh, likelihood of something fruiting, <laughs> right? Yeah, if you're not you know, willing to use the chemistry to thin your fruit, um, your only option really right is to just thin them by hand and so in that sense if you want to uh plant apple trees plant small ones and keep them small uh which means you're gonna have to prune (laughs) right yeah Yeah. but just keeping the trees small so they're never going to be above your head and uh yeah learn how to call the fruit call those fruit buds uh from a cluster on the branch and leave two or three or uh one or two leave that king you just made me realize that's probably why thinning almost never happens in the backyard because with deer browse the way it is, if you don't have a fence, you're never going to have lower branches because they're going to mm-hmm. eat them below six feet. So climbing up into a big apple tree to thin its fruit is like next to impossible. You know what I mean? Right. 
I, yeah, forget it. Yeah. So, so there not, you go. Nothing to be done, I guess. Just uh... not unless you have a fence, and then you can walk up to your trees and then thin them. Not many people have that. Right. That's very rare. So that's why they left with the chemicals. Um, so the bottom line, bottom line of all this, what what can you do exactly? Uh, what's important or pri- to prioritize? The most important thing you can do to an apple tree is to give it light. Yeah. That's first and foremost. <laughs> that, we're, we're circling back to the, what my job at the Catskill Forest Association is mostly about, which is sunlight. Sunlight and plants. Plants need sunlight. If you, It's a shade-intolerant tree like any fruit tree. Okay, it, Don't prune it if it's not in full sunlight because mm-hmm. you're just – you're. It's already struggling to get light. If you take away its ability to get light at all, you're just further stressing it. You just set it back, everything it's been doing. Yeah, you might – you have a better chance of shocking it. So first, get some sunlight around it. If there are maple and ash trees, they have no business being next to apple trees. They are not in the same – no, they don't get along. They're not kumbayaing. They don't, they don't do that. They don't like each other. If they could speak, they would say, I, I, you know what? He might be a nice guy. I have no reason to grow next to a maple tree. Right. Uh, sugar maple is a shade-tolerant, late-successional species. It just has no reason to be next to this early-successional um, you know, uh, expat from Kazakhstan, <laughs> which is what an apple tree is. <laughs> right? So it wants full sunlight. Right. Yeah. Um, and ash – always seems to want to grow right through an apple tree's crown and shade it out and kill it over time. So if it doesn't die from the animal ash borer, ash, then it will kill an apple tree by just shading the living daylights out of it. Yeah. Literally. Uh, it's frequently we've seen it. Yeah, always. Always. Always ash doing always, that. Yeah, the first thing we got to do when we start to prune apple trees, cut that ash out, get that out of there. Yeah. So that's if it's for wildlife. You know, you're just feeding the deer and stuff. Just release the tree from com- competition. Um, if the apples are good and you're like, you know, I want to invest a little bit more in this, then prune it so it doesn't become an umbrella or a giraffe, mm-hmm. as we stated before. And if you want to take the last step, which a lot of people aren't willing to do, uh, you can, and you want fruit every year, and you want the quality like you see in the store, well, you're probably going to have to use some kind of chemicals for, for potential fungi or insects. You're going to have to thin the fruit, okay? Mm-hmm by hand or using those other chemicals but again that's not really within the realm of practicality for most people yeah or just wait for that big uh big crop year and then collect as much as you can yeah apple trees are great we talk about them a lot on from the forest and even though it's some people think it's it's not a forest thing it is it's one of the if you take care of your apples everything loves it you get the most bang for your buck with apples, whether it's cider or just wildlife. I mean, deer are always visiting apple trees. Bear, uh, woodchucks climb apple trees and eat them. I've seen it while I was talking to someone below an apple tree. There was a woodchuck literally in it eating the apples, which is pretty cool. Everything, porcupines, you name it, birds. So Yeah, if you have apples on the property and they're in good condition – now you just have value uh, adding to your property, to your land. You know, it's worth something. It means there's sun around. You know, people like to gather underneath them. I love apple trees. Everything about yeah. them. Yeah, 
They are. They're a pretty cool tree. But um, so that you know that was that there. There's the mystery behind why apple trees produce every year in orchards and why they don't. It, not in orchards. <laughs> so is is fruit thinning and pruning is is important, but fruit thinning is probably more important in that regard. So uh, that's all the time we have on from the forest. Next week, I think we're going to talk about uh, home heating with wood and uh, what's those things called? A uh, heat pump. Heat pumps. You've probably heard about them. Yeah, and how they can work together tandemly to be efficiently. Interesting. So, yeah. All right. Have a good night. Good night, everyone. The neon lights were flashing and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. And the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in street a dozen faces stopped to stare but no one stopped to speak for his castle was a hallway and the bottle was his friend and the old man stumbled in from the forest up a dark and dingy staircase the old man made his way Ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay And he wondered how it happened that he'd ended up this way Getting lost like a fool in the forest And as he lay there sleeping a vision did appear Upon his mantle shining the face of one so dear who'd loved him in the springtime of a long forgotten year when the wildflowers did bloom in the forest she touched his grizzled fingers and she called him by his name and then he heard the joyful sound of children at the game Town where the river runs down from the forest with a mighty roar, the big jet soars above the canyon streets, and the con man con, but life goes on for the city never sleeps. Soul.